The Home Show. With Colour Trend. Bring home Irish colour with Colour Trend paint. This is News Talk. Welcome along to The Home Show with me, Sinead Ryan. Coming up today, the weather may be miserable, but we get some garden inspiration on what you should be planting now if you want the best spring and summer garden next year with our friend Dermot Gavin. And he's promised me a rude tip that everybody can do at home. Dreaming of an escape at home, but there's no space. We look to your garden and ask if a modular build could be a solution. Monty Python asked, what have the Romans ever done for us? Well, we look at modern Roman design for the home and we have Roisin Murphy's ultimate guide to accessories for outside of your house. If you'd like to get involved today on the show, you can text us here at 53106 for 30 cent. Email us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com and you'll find me on Twitter at Sinead underscore Ryan. You can listen live or listen back to the show and all of our podcasts on the Newstalk app powered by Go Loud. Uh, now, <coughs> I thought I'd seen it all. On this show, everything uh, when it comes to design, uh, but apparently not. My colleague in the Indo, Kevin Doyle, posted a picture from a hotel he's in of a decorated tree in the lobby. Now, it wasn't an absurdly early Christmas one, but fully decorated for Halloween. Pumpkins, lanterns, the lot. Please, please let us not let this become a thing. It's bad enough importing ideas from the States on trick-or-treating and pumpkin farms without resorting to this nonsense. Fir trees are traditionally decorated for one time only and it's still 10 weeks away. Now, that said, next week, which is the day before Halloween, we will be going all out on the home show with experts to guide you through all the last minute decorative preparations. We'll have Roisin Murphy on hand too with some design inspiration. So get your questions in now and let me know what you think about the Halloween trees, if you must. 53106. Send pictures of your Halloween tree if you have one to the home show at newstalk.com. We will be delighted to take a look on them all. But for now, you are very welcome along to the show. Do the preparation now to enjoy a beautiful display of daffodils, spring snowflakes and crocuses when the warm weather returns. Well, that's the advice from my first guest this morning, friend of the home show, celebrity gardener and national treasure, Dermot Gavin. <laughs> welcome back to the, to the studio. Celebrity gardener and national treasure. I have to think about those two. <laughs> now, you've brought in, I, I'm already now excited because you've brought in a load of bulbs here to me now. We're not going to plant them this morning, but such a variety variety of colour that we have to look forward to in spring and I suppose if that is the reward then the hard work has to start now. That's right. Gardening is all about planning. It's all about understanding what happens each season and preparing to make that happen. So it's a funny time of the year to be talking about next year and next spring but in a way that's what we have to do. So at the moment, in the garden, everything is dying off. The leaves are changing colour and some, mm. because we've had, you know, some it's sunshine. The weather's been warm. Yeah. It's been quite mild. Uh, some of the colours are yeah. just fantastic. Yeah. So it seems odd when we're enjoying um, a lot of plants regressing back into themselves, because that's what happens with the changing colour. The chlorophyll has been drained out of the leaves and it's showing the other colours that are always there right through the year. Yeah. But there, the gold and the reds uh, are, and the yellows are really getting their chance to shine. But if we don't plan, and especially in these days because of things like Brexit and COVID, mm-hmm. if we don't plan 
for the display that we'd like to have next spring. We just won't have it. Now, Clara. so for, for bulb planting, if we want to get through it now, bank holiday weekend, we want to do a little bit this weekend. Uh, about planting, I think people get a little bit nervous, me included, about how, well, first of all, <laughs> put them in the right way up. But secondly, how deep do you go with bulbs? So first of all, what is a bulb? It's this little package of amazing goodness and energy and carbohydrates. Dermot has a little pink uh, hyacinth I have a, a little of, bit yeah. of a sad looking. If I hold it like this, it doesn't <laughs> look so sad. Hyacinths are brilliant yeah. bulbs because they fill, if you force them, and this bulb has been forced on to flower early, what we're in October now, mm. but Christmas morning is the time that really people enjoy these. A bowl of on the whole table uh, that you can grow yourself and you can buy prepared ones oh yeah and you can even grow them in just water but I I, I want to show you this one because it's half out of its pot and you can see that with very little soil and this is probably Mm. just grown in sand you can see a little bit of root there you can see the bulb and you can see the shoot uh, the leaves and you can see that magnificent flower and the scent is, is really strong uh, oh, from it. Gorgeous. So nobody can go wrong with bulbs. They do all the really job now? already do you promise? in that bulb and I'm out. I'm about to open That's a little That's about pack. an onion size it's, now. Uh, it's an onion size, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. And indeed we have some onions on the, tables, uh, on the table here. Yeah. I'll show you okay. alliums which are members of the those, uh, onion yeah. family. Yeah. But I'm showing you a tulip bulb. Um, okay. So everything. Like a shallot size. Uh, ex- exactly. Everything for next year is already formed inside that bulb. The shoots are there and the flowers are already in that bulb. It's incredible, isn't it? So nothing can go Bursting wrong with in life, a way. Just if literally it, waiting to find a space to come out. Just uh, exactly. Now, with some bulbs, they'll naturalise tulips, uh, like I'm holding here. They're quite challenging mm. because um, we tend to treat them as annuals. We plant them every year fresh. You can plant them as late as December. The later, the you know, the better. Okay. And people often forget packets of bulbs or boxes of bulbs and yeah. leave them in the car or in the garage or under the stairs or whatever. So they're best off whenever you plant them. Even if it's January, get them into the ground and they'll still probably do okay. their job. Can you also pot plant them? Because I'm conscious there are lots of listeners maybe who wouldn't have garden space for Oh, they're brilliant in pots. So if you have a large, I mean, I have I have about four in my own back garden now, which the tomatoes are just, well, they're still coming out actually. I think it's because of the heat. I still yeah. haven't bought a tomato we've, in we've months. We've had a long season, yeah. Yeah, but they are now coming to the end. So yeah. could, could that be then replaced? Perfect. So okay. uh, get rid of the tomato plants, put the old plants on the compost heap use the compost that you've had them growing in as a mulch over the beds yeah. or, or whatever and refresh so what you can do with something like that is do a bulb lasagna do you know what that is? Oh, tell me okay you can grow five, six, seven different types of bulbs in the one pot so you clean out your pot um, you put a layer of compost uh, in you might want to put some drainage in the bottom first then a layer of compost then put your late flowering bulbs in so something like alliums Oh, I look these in, are beautiful now folks if you don't know what an allium is go and look it up while you're while you're listening to Dermot and myself here they're like purple fireworks they on a very are. long stem you can get quite they small are. ones ta- you can get some of them are very tall ones, ones in them. the botanic gardens yeah yeah like enormous there's one called purple sensation and it yeah. explodes always around the third week of May time of the Chelsea Flower Show alliums look absolutely brilliant okay. but it's the third week of May so they'll be later flowering the ones I've shown you there are quite small ones you can get ones that are as big as a golf ball mm. and you put them in the base of the plot okay. uh, of the pot then a bit more compost over that then put your daffodils in 
bit more compost over it and put them in, put, you know, maybe seven uh, alliums at the base. Then well, Reese, put... you're not going to overcrowd it now by doing no, that? No, as long as they're not touching, they'll be very happy. Okay. Uh, okay. A layer of compost and then your daffodils. A layer of compost again and then your tulips. A layer of compost and then you're getting towards the smaller bulbs, the scilla, the muscaris, the snowdrops. Up like around that. the top. Because they'll the pop top. out first. So, so the pop logic out is... But you can top them off okay. with other plants. You can put uh, violas, uh, pansies, bellus perennis, uh, uh, anything like that, even berry plants. Galteria is a low-growing ground cover with red berries on it. It'll look great outside the front door. And they'll the all the look after themselves, pop up at the right time. Absolutely. The others will be popping down at the right time and, and you'll have a kind of a constant flow then. Until next the June. Oh. So until next June. The first will be, as you say, the snowdrops coming out and the last will be the alliums come out. How deep to plant them? I just say, if you're putting them in the ground, yeah. um, three times the depth of the bulb, make sure there's good drainage and the peak size up. They'll always find their <laughs> you way. you say that? Will they though? If you do it upside oh, down by mistake. Even if you do it upside okay, down, they'll always right. find their way towards the light. Life always finds a way. All right, I am speaking with Jeremy McGavin, our uh, friend at the Home Show and celebrity gardener about bulb planting. Now, a little close in time is Halloween of course um, which is n- next weekend so if um, people are looking for you we were talking at the top of the show there about the foliage and the leaves and all that um, is there anything people can do maybe or, or could be on the lookout just to provide a little seasonal decoration for Well the for seasonal the decoration is taking back what we brought over to the Americas uh, with our waves of emigration when farmers left this country and when they left Scotland they went to America and they brought this idea of the carving the turnip. Mm. And have you ever seen a turnip carved? And yeah, because this was an old Irish. It really I, was. I thought an old Irish tradition yeah. in the West, it, where where you'd it was long before we were brung up on pumpkins. There was the turnip, absolutely, and it was warding off spirits or something, wasn't it? And they're gruesome to look yeah, at because yeah. the turnip isn't the pretty looking. Also uh, difficult to carve and very difficult to carve. So we brought that tradition. They made lanterns to ward away evil spirits or whatever, put them outside the house, and that became the pumpkin thing. So and that has given us this idea of the golds and the yellows being the decorative things. Um, so buy a pumpkin. Uh, they're much easier to buy than to grow. And carve it. Um, leave it as uh, as really as long as possible before Halloween. A good tip if you are carving is to smear it the inside with Vaseline so it doesn't dry out and that will help it last Ooh, for a couple of no. weeks. Well now folks, that's a top tip. Smear so it with scoop Vaseline. Out, that sounds like something the kids can do. That's right. Scoop out all the innards. You can make lovely yeah. soup and uh, stuff like that with the pulp that comes uh, out of it. Carve it with the kids while they're on their winter break and put it outside the house and a lovely. couple of candles inside it. Yeah. Lovely thing to do. Of course, everything's back open now, thank goodness. Uh, fingers crossed for good. Uh, and that includes garden centres and people taking trips out and looking for maybe something a little bit new to put in the garden and refresh. Um, so what kind of things for, for the amateur garden c- gardener could we look forward to? Now? For the amateur gardener, at the moment, it's all it really is all about planning for next year. It's tidying up for this year. So the leaves are all coming down. Uh, it's the time of the dreaded leaf blower. Uh, yes. Have you ever woken early in the morning yes, with a neighbour? Yeah. So if you are using a week uh, a leaf blower, uh, 
first of all, think, do you really need one? Could you yeah, do because, it with a brush? Sorry, is all this does is just blow it into somebody else's garden or to the side of the road. Or blow I mean, it to a heap so you can gather it. Um, hmm. Now, you know, it is a very good idea to gather some leaves. Not everything, because the little creatures and the bugs need little places to live. Right <laughs> You're blowing winter. them off the road. <laughs> you are, well. you yeah. are. Yeah, you, you definitely are. If you have lots of leaves in your garden, uh, if you have a normal suburban garden, the garden gets full of leaves. Here's a nice tip. Get a black plastic sack. Fill it with the leaves that you've gathered because it will crumble down to make the most glorious compost or um, brilliant material for mulching around anything or planting. Make sure it's a little bit moist. So gather the leaves, make sure they're a little bit uh, moist. If they're not moist, put some water in the bag Mm -hmm. and even pee into the bag because it makes a great... Say <laughs> that. Uh, sorry, I think I just might have missed. It's an, ad, uh, an addition of nitrogen, and it helps the. Are you leaves serious? Rot down. Yeah, yeah. Even on the compost heap, go out and have a wee on the is compost that, heap. Is that what you Fantastic. do? No, I'm not allowed to do it. I'm not surprised. The authorities at home won't uh, think it might attract something else. The authorities are at home. So who in your who in your house then is? <laughs> is oh, providing gar- the essential nitrogen. Get a gardener in and get them to pee <laughs> on the compost heap. It's brilliant as an accelerator. Are you serious? Yeah, there's another thing you can do which is a little bit more boring is just put some soil in the bag or on the compost heap. <laughs> right. <clears throat> I, I'll go with the soil. There might be some people out there go with the pee. Let us know, uh, listeners, <laughs> to the home show. And Put down the coffee <laughs> and give us a text. Uh, Tie the bag at the top. And it, it, <laughs> in, in eight months' time, it reduces to being a lovely crumbly compost. If not, make a compost heap. Any of the garden waste, except if it's disease wood or dead wood or anything like that, uh, don't put that in. But uh, anything, because you don't want to be spreading bacteria or anything okay. like that around. Uh, right, just keep keep it all in the plastic bag. <clears throat> right, you probably want to do that outside of the view of the neighbours with the leaf blowers. Perhaps you might end up on the wrong end of it. Uh, now, Halloween in your house, you've no smallies now. You're, no you're smallies. A little but, girl is a big girl. Uh, yeah, but I think everybody on the road really unites everybody together by, you know, doing the pumpkin thing and uh, putting the ghouls and the ghosts out in the garden. We kind of love that night when all the kids, the little kids come around. Uh, yeah. And it does especially in the last couple of years with what we've all been through it does unite people together it is an old Irish ancient tradition so I think uh, let's keep it up and, and we've been given permission formally now by the Thonish that to get to enjoy Halloween and get out you can even dance with a ghoul you can even dance <laughs> with a ghoul as long yes exactly as long as you're socially distanced now Dermot um, you dress up for your own podcast at home will you be dressing up for Halloween yeah, well, I was just looking back at what we did last year we did I did five minutes before we went on there on Instagram uh, I went to the hot press I got a literally five minutes I got one of the Good bed sheets. I cut two holes. Uh, I became a ghost. I'd say you became a ghost so in your wife's life as well. After doing that, <laughs> look, she's seen it all. <laughs> I'm sure. Now, speaking of podcasts, uh, you have something coming up uh, on Halloween. We have a new podcast called Dirt. Myself and Paul Smith, who's a gardener from County Carlow, yeah. and yeah, we'll be doing a Halloween special.
and that's a go loud podcast it's a goal, a goal so anybody who's on the News Talk app will be able to access that. It drops every Monday and we have great fun. You, you tend to learn something about gardening but uh, <laughs> we talk about the week we've been having. Well I've learned about lots of things today that had nothing to, <laughs> to do with gardening. You way to compost is what I learned today. Alright folks um, you can you can pour out your coffee now again it's alright we'll, <laughs> we'll get rid of them soon. Dermot Gavin uh, thank you so much for joining us again on the Home Show and maybe we'll have you back in the spring and we'll be able to look at the fruit of your and maybe our labour uh, and not try to think too much about that old compost bag. Great. <laughs> Now, still to come, if you're looking for extra space in your home, we look at one of the most popular bills many houses are opting for. And Roisin Murphy will be asking, what have the Romans ever done for us? So grab yourself that snack and join me back here on The Home Show here on News Talk after this. The Home Show on News Talk with Colour Trend. Bring home Irish colour with Colour Trend paint. You're very welcome back to the Home Show here on News Talk. I'm Sinead Ryan. Now, if you're just joining us now, you'll have missed celebrity gardener Dermot Gavin, who was here at the top of the show. Now, I am still not over one of the tips he gave us, folks, and maybe you're not too. <laughs> but if you do want to listen to what that was, you can, of course, do so on the podcast, which is powered by Go Loud. If you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can text us at 53106 for 30 cent or email us at the home show at newstalk.com and remember I'm looking for uh, your Halloween inspiration if a Halloween tree is a thing in your house do send us in a picture of it and we'll have a look we have a Halloween themed show coming up next week now with lockdown and being cooped up in the house and goodness knows what kinds of distractions to take you away from your work you've likely dreamed of a completely separate space just for you away from the hustle and bustle of family life well if you've got an outdoor space large enough, then a modular backyard build could be just what you need. Andrew Burdock, founder of AB Projects, joins me now. Andrew, you're very welcome along to the home show. Hey. Now, Thank you. Are, are these kinds of projects, um, have you seen a, an increase in people building these garden pods? Yeah, there seems to be. I mean, we've been doing them for kind of accidentally for about six years now part of a kind of a wider business and yeah but they've increased like we only do eight a year purposely because we don't have diluted and they're quite unique so but so, yeah we're, we're, we're booked out on them so you're building custom made ones for people who have very specific needs tell me about the kind of uh, of projects that you undertake so people tend to find us because maybe they're looking for something a little bit more architectural and a little bit different so we, we don't we haven't repeated any um, and like I say, we only do a certain number a year because we, we just want to keep them kind of fresh, you know. So our clients are anybody from guys that want to work from home full time to couples that want the gym in their garden to kids rooms. What, what, what's kind of happened, though, is the final product tends to be really nice and the design process is, is lengthy. And, and what we'll do is we'll meet the whole family and we'll create a space that suits everybody. So they kind of all end up fighting over them in the end. It seems to be the common one. <laughs> oh, really? Okay, so you end up with multi-purpose units for kids, parents, work yeah. and everything. Okay. All well, right. like, for, for example, we did one in Bray. I think it was volume three. And that's a big... What we wanted to do was kind of bring in that kind of agricultural uh, vernacular kind of style. So we've used you know corrugated black cladding that you find on, on a farm and we've kind of streamlined it and made it really architectural mm. and we put it in this beautifully landscaped garden in Bray and that's for the clients he, he works from home he needs a home office and he flies all over the world with, with his business but he needed a base but as part of that when we kind of delved into the design process we found that his partner uh, now wife she used to do a lot of 
fashion design and sewing and dressmaking mm-hmm. uh, in college and so that kind of left got maybe got left behind when she was raising the kids so we designed a joinery wall that folds out of the way and it has all our old sewing machines in there oh i see how um, interesting to store them and we have this fold-down table that comes down to allow her to work and actually and and, and kind of designed on purpose for that for that point and then She's actually started to to be out there most evenings. She's working. She's she's back uh, designing now. Um, and then we also designed a, a kind of a custom kind of fold away couch that um, their kids can come out and hang in and they can watch movies on. And the whole side of it opens up onto a deck. So it's become a real family space. They're a very special family because they they have an amazing garden and they live outside and they've really turned it into something. Yeah, special. it sounds nearly like a whole extra flash. Uh, in the garden now tell me about the yes. technicals involved andrew uh, is there planning permission required for a structure like this we've done a number where we've had to go for planning because they've they've gone past the the, the, the size and the scope that you're allowed to build but mostly 90 percent we know that we can build up to 25 square meters to a certain height depending on roof type um, and depending on what what the amount of area left in the garden is uh, so you don't need planning to do that, you, we stay within the planning rules. You're allowed to build in your back garden like a, a work from home office of a certain size, depending mm-hmm. on how big your garden is. You have to be really careful of the materiality, what kind of covers, what kind of materials you use. So you can use timbers. We, some of our buildings are clad in like a kind of a, a black aluminium. And we can only do that if the building that's existing already has that black aluminium on it. It has to relate to the aesthetic of the house that's there. So we, we relate to that aesthetic, but we kind of put, push it and kind of refine it to be nice. But every one of them is completely different. And we kind of do them because myself and our creative director, we have an interest in architecture. Uh, whilst not being architects, uh, we, we have a real interest in them. We seem to be growing into that role more and more. So these were always start with these little, little like either micro architecture or, or very big pieces of furniture. Um, how long does uh, the whole process... So we give them a love and care. We detail them really well. Okay. And how long does the process take from start to finish, Andrew? The design process can take four to six weeks and then we can build them quite quick. You know, you, you probably build... We, either, we do two builds. We either we build in our workshop completely finished and then we get it delivered to site and craned mm. into the garden as a finished unit or we build on site uh, it usually takes around 10 to 12 weeks right yeah. now where can people go to find out more about what you do andrew they can find us on avprojects.ie all right well listen thank you very much for joining us this morning on the home show that was andrew burdock founder and director of ab projects thanks guys cheers bye-bye after the break last week we went the full monty with roisin murphy This week we're going Monty Python. I kid you not, all will be revealed. So grab yourself a cup and join me back here on The Home Show here on News Talk after this. The Home Show on News Talk with Colour Trend. Bring home Irish colour with Colour Trend paint. And you're very welcome back to The Home Show here on News Talk. I'm Sinead Ryan. And now at the top of the show, I got the weirdest of gardening tips from Dermot Gavin. Uh, (laughs) I haven't heard it before. If you want to listen back to what that was, you can do so on the News Talk app powered by Go Loud. Uh, but for now, take a listen to this. What have the Romans ever done for us? The aqueduct? Oh, yeah, yeah, they did give us that. Uh, that's true, yeah. And the sanitation. Yeah, all right, I'll grant you the aqueduct and the sanitation are two things the Romans have done. And the roads. Well, yeah, obviously yeah. not roads. I mean, the roads go without sand, don't they? But apart from the sanitation, the aqueduct and the roads. Irrigation. Medicine? Education? Yeah, yeah, all right, fair enough. And the wine? 
Yeah, that's something we've really missed, Reg, if the Romans left. <laughs> Public baths. And it's safe to walk in the streets at night now, Reg. All right, but apart from the sanitation, the medicine, education, wine, public order, irrigation, roads, a fresh water system and public health, what have the Romans ever done for us? Brought peace? Oh, peace. Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really is a classic Roisin. Roisin Murphy, welcome to the Home Show Studio. I think it's the best piece of architectural history you'll ever hear. Go on. If every lecture was like that, it would be fine. Uh, it's all you need. It tells you everything you need yeah. to know, really. Yeah. Absolutely, all you need to know. Classic. How can you? They did I, everything. It is. It is. Now, of course, they did it um, the quickest way possible, which was invading, <laughs> usurping, yes. taking over, and doing what they damn well pleased. No planning problems with on board Planola no. with the Romans. No, no uh, planning problems and at their all. Architecture, uh, and actually, for anybody who's ever been to one of the great Roman cities, I mean, Tarragona is one of the most beautiful because mm-hmm. they only unearthed it mm-hmm. in northern Spain very recently mm-hmm. and uh, you know built the city on top of it they they had a way of going about uh, well planning. okay first of all like the Romans were marketeers okay they made the market they traded they even traded in Ireland and apparently according to my research they were actually part of the reasons we abolished human sacrifice believe it or not like we have some things to be thankful for them their coinage is evident in Ireland but they were very fond of an old slave okay <laughs> right so I'm going to say to you but the things that the Romans did which for me was the, the, the big game changer they did town planning they did house planning and they did probably more innovations for infrastructure than we really credit them with for. They did, but they did it around the concept of pleasure first. Oh, by God, yes. They were the back of I mean, it wasn't like, how will we look after our poor? Or what will we do with our business community? This was about plonking the Colosseum in the middle of a town. In fairness now, they did do do baths. They're famous for their baths of Caracalla. They're famous for um, air conditioning. The first passive air conditioning system is designed around a Roman house where you have the fountain in the middle of the courtyard. The hot air hits it and it rises up to marble um, kind of what we would call as awnings and comes back down as a cool air but they were very very rigid and organised anybody who is going to plunder uh, through hundreds of villages and countries will find that they are quite organised and efficient like they really were but they their, their basis of their house plan which is a courtyard was robbed off the Greeks the Greeks originated the kind of courtyard mm. house which they're all famous from but they did house their poor and unfortunately they housed them in tower blocks actually which you wouldn't conceive of these awful rickety structures that the poor lived in that often collapsed and they lived in very unsanitary conditions but your basic house Roman house was a two-storey house like ours with a dining room and a kitchen and bedrooms upstairs but everybody had a servant so your servant slept in the doorway which is a really hideous notion they slept mm. kind of in the door going into the bedrooms and things as a like guard that. come you what, know what, whatever you need sir whatever you need sir yeah. exactly but they did they differed from the Roman houses in a couple of things right and they really are decoration they were considered a little bit gaudy the Greek style was very pure very classical you know that fluted column with yes, the true and you think of kind of 
white marble and, yes. and pale blue. Yes. You know, that classic thing. Yeah, not Romans, the Romans. No. <laughs> they loved a bit of well colour. The they loved mosaics. They loved mosaics. You could put the mosaic on the floor, on the wall. <laughs> and, and they did. They did. And they put them in the ceilings and everything. And they did this thing called stucco as well, where they painted walls. So they would have been considered the kind of the rich cousins. And, you know, kind of everybody going, oh, God, what are they more doing? Is more is more. More is more. I'm a little bit more there. <laughs> ah, a little bit more. Yeah. But they also, but because of that, we have, and because of Pompeii, we have a large record of their yeah. stuff. You know I, what I mean? I've been to, to Pompeii and Herculane. Herculaneum with the one be, the one down, down the way from it which yeah. is actually just as nice <laughs> and you go into some of the rooms yeah. in there of what would have been brothels or bars yeah. or restaurants you know the I mean, public very they invented town. the town yeah. pleasure and some of those frescoes above yeah. the wall which designated here's what goes on here just in case you were in any doubt and you can't read <laughs> here are very graphic pictures about what's ah. about to happen oh, it's, it's all ex- gone downhill since the Romans <laughs> that's all I can say no 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 it's all neon lights <laughs> and adult pleasures. No, I I mean, in one sense, that's the funny thing about it. But that, that the wall painting, the stucco and all those frescoes did depict kind of like even the, this, you know, we all know about the thing about your weight in gold and all that. Mm. You know, the appendages they weighed and all this sort of stuff was all part of the Roman. Uh, you know, they were, you know, they had these feast days. They had all of that sort of stuff. Um, but they really were innovative in terms of town planning the arch in particular yeah which, talk to me about yeah. the arch because oh, mainly to get off the bodily function we've had some <laughs> show this morning I can tell you between Dermot Cavan and yourself right unless <laughs> <laughs> the appendages arches are a classic Roman structure and to me probably a, a very difficult thing to conceive and build because I love you an know, arch it is beautiful but like what Really what possess them. Possess them what to paint them. Out with no support whatsoever. Yeah. Let's build something. Yeah, like. because in fairness, the Greeks were all about what you call uh, entablature, and I, I won't go on. And but you can see the logic, the flat, of it. you know, the, the flat, flat and yeah, the table. And, the, and what you would see is the triangle, classically mm. on top mm. of uh, classical temples. You know, they they all had the, and that was what supported the structure of the roof and all that sort of stuff. But the the Romans invented the arch and the arch and the aqueduct, and it, it was an engineering structure, if you know what I mean. And I have actually made an arch. We had to do it in architecture in first year, but it was one of those things you had to do. You could do a rough cut arch or you could do one with a smooth cut, which is where you cut all the bricks to fit as it moves around the archway. Mm. And even the timbers that go in to make an arch to support a brickwork of that period would have been beautiful. They would be made in wood. But the, the thing is, they also apparently invented concrete, which is, you know, the... Oh, the this and we think that is a kind of 20th century invention you think of that as 20, but that thing of being able to build a tall to be able to build these giant structures even if you think of the Colosseum that was engineering innovation yeah and of course we have kept I, I think we've kept nearly all of the Roman inventions uh, when it comes to mosaics okay they had their moment then they went out of fashion then they came back into fashion but they never really disappeared oh no god no I have to say I have a small I have a soft spot for mosaics do you remember we oh, did yeah, the, we, we did a road show down in the uh, during the summer down in the National Museum and one mm. of the most stunning features mm. in there is the mosaic on the yeah. floor of all the star signs it's an extraordinary yeah. piece and I have to say when we did Brown Thomas we kept the original Switzers was done by mosaic yeah. at the side entrance and that was preserved as well. Mosaic work is really beautiful. But it's also that notion of decoration. But I have to say they also invented, and this is what I would argue about the Romans in terms of really innovation, the concept of space came with them. Now I know, and we've had nothing since except Dermot Bannon who talks about space in the same (laughs) way. But if you can imagine the Romans are the equivalent of Dermot Bannon, 
they they invented perspective. I now have a picture of <laughs> in, a in a toga, which well, I don't, I can't unsee. But it is that notion of say, if you think of even their paintings, that they drew perspective, mm. that they, in a way, the earth. If you look at Game of Thrones, right? Game of Thrones is all a very, it's a forest, it's a lot of wood burning, and a lot of dark brutalistic kind of castles and then the Roman Empire light bright atriums mosaics where do you want to live close to the fountains or close to the kind of sacrificial fires it was a kind of the concept of seeing the world in a different way framing it and cultivating it yeah. in a very cultured artistic way because yes. you know that aesthetic was probably predominantly important to them yeah and also that you had Housing as such. Mm. Now we're all we never, we never go far from housing in any civilization oh, or I, culture. I always found it interesting that the word terrace, as in terraced exactly. houses, came from those terraces on on Roman towns, whereby you know the rich people lived. Yes. you know exactly. Up, uh, you know in the nicest places, and the poorer yeah. people uh, kind of in the further away and lower down, and that terrace. Thing yes. was, was an upward movement but uh, in fact and we use it for a row of houses yeah and in comparison say the medieval town which they would have been uh, which is a castle with structures kind of unevenly scattered around it so you're either in the castle or you were outside or you would a fort where you'd circular huts and clothes like the Romans really did put order on things but they had that thing where they were I think from my art from my perspective it was perspective it was space it was atrium it was the idea in a house that you had what we would call as negative space like that thing, when you walk into a bank, that atrium, that was originated mm. by the Romans. Yeah, yeah. It didn't serve a practical purpose, but looked Well, gorgeous. no, it did serve a practical cur- purpose. Or the air circulation. The air, yeah. no, mm. pa- Rome, it's not, it's, you know, Italy is very, very hot. It, they come from a very, very warm climate. So it did serve a practical purpose, but it's been absorbed into our culture as a wealthy thing to have mm. because mm. it doesn't, because you have to heat it in Ireland. Yeah. So there's a, the inverse should be happening in Ireland, but it, it's expensive detailing. So mosaics, marbles, stucco work, atriums, anything like that, entablatures, money. And fresco in those uh, rooms that you have and let us know what's going on in your bedrooms. And I am talking with Roisin Murphy, our resident design guru here mm. on the Home Show on News Talk. Uh, and Roisin, we got um, a, an email in from a listener uh, during the week called Elaine. Uh, Low ladies listen to the show every week, love it. I moved into a house that was built in the 1990s about two years ago and the door handles and blinds in the house could all do with replacing. Uh, I'm wondering if I change from the old style, will it look terrible? Uh, the house in an estate, all the other houses seem to have stuck with the same blinds, like these scallop roller yes. blinds. So we thought we would get your advice, Roisin, for Elaine. Um, I, I'm a kind of go for it, Elaine, and don't worry about what the neighbours are doing. But what oh, do you think? 100% Elaine. Like, I'm going to say to you that it is one of the most extraordinary things, the scalloped blinds, speaking of the Romans, scallops and Chippendale. But that kind of curved blind, we, they are everywhere. Now, you can do it very simply and very environmentally, just cut the scallop off <clears throat> and reintroduce toggles onto it. A blind then can be trimmed all the way back up to the window and you won't see the blind at all. But... If there is anything in Ireland that has happened, it is the kind of the absence of colour, the absence of detailing on front. People will go into their house, they will decorate from dawn to dusk and they will forget about the front of a house. Mm. Okay, so handles, all of that, what we call is ironmongery, architectural ironmongery, really impacts a house and can be really beautiful. So the tradition of kind of having a polished doorknob, anything like that, don't take off good brass ironmongery. Mm. Leave okay. it on. Anything that is original to but the you door. polish it up and, and yeah. get it looking fab. Or if you have a 1950s house and you have a 1950s door, 
don't do it, no matter how tempting it is. If you have an energy issue with it, do. There's there's new glass products where you can replace the single uh, pane glazing with a new energy glaze material, which gives exactly the same heat retention, say, as double glaze or triple mm. glaze, but can conform to the old steel windows. We are paying €10,000 for a set of crittle metal doors. So if you have, if you're out there listening going, I want to change my original metal windows or doors, don't. And they can, other thing is just retrofit in the glass or the, yes. the covering for it. Okay, that's <clears> interesting. <throat> Sorry, because the, those they're fierce expensive. They're fierce expensive. Now there are other models on the market that uh, uh, Vindor do a, a, a budget range in metal. Now that said, if you're left with PVC windows, this is my favourite hack. We I do this on the program that's coming out next Thursday. Everybody tune in. Sorry about that. Uh, no, but it's my favourite hack ever. It is that to repaint windows on houses? And what you do is paint them with a PVA glue and then paint them. Any colour you like. And I guarantee we've had people now that walk... primer is important, isn't it? That because, primer is important, yeah. but there is primers. There are now innovations coming around where you can literally paint without primer. It is happening. The technology, it's nanotechnology from the space race. And basically, you're going to be able to paint onto metal without even using a primer. So keep going right. to the paint specialist. They know exactly what you can do. But the essential takeaway piece from this, Sinead, is... You don't have to live with your white PVC windows. Okay, you can paint them yellow, pink, blue, black, grey. You can do it any array of colour. And and you don't need now, I know it sounds like a daft question, but there are times you need permission to do things like that. You don't need any permission to change the front of your colour of your house, do you? Uh, you do if you're going to paint brickwork because it's a material okay, change. But not the but not the window frames. No, not the window frames. Okay, okay. So you can go, you can go yeah. to town with your no, it's, window and, frames. And I have to say, the thing about painting is that it's a really instant hack for, for life. It's very cheers you up. Yeah. I also think and painted brick is very beautiful as well. There is a lot to be said if you live in a modern painted... No, uh, we, we agreed case. to disagree on that a very okay, long time ago, be, Roisin. L- listen, <laughs> listen, it can be beautiful. You can do a distemper wash and paint in your brickwork. Okay. It's all back so in fashion. Back to, <laughs> back to the PVC really windows. Um, so, because some of those old PVC windows, yes. I'm thinking of the ones that were fitted in the, ni- the early 90s, yeah. you know, when it was all the rage to kind of have double glazing. Uh, they're quite ugly. yes. Uh, so, so it painting them a different colour. How materially does it change it though? Does it not, think, not just look like okay? Ugly I'll tell you what it is. Like white is, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, I've got a frog in my throat. White is um, reflective, so it makes things actually look an awful lot bigger. Ah, okay? okay, so if you have a white thick section, that's all you can see. No, but it is absolutely fantastic on the interior of a house. If you because if a grey window will sink and drink in light. So for my money's worth, if you've got a, a room that say. Um, very dark on the inside. Don't go black or grey with the frames on the inside, but just go for it on the outside if you want to upgrade it because it really does make the section slim down. Another one we did recently was, well, I did it on my own place, was to paint the inside of, say, a thicker section window with green and like a sage green. And what it means is the window disappears into the landscape. Oh, so all you see is green. All you see is the garden. And I thought, oh, it was fascinating to me because I'm always very interested in how we do this or say black on the outside mm. it's very trendy at the moment I think grey be careful with the grey guys yeah. I know we talk about this but I've, I passed a house this morning that they nearly had their children painted grey coming out of that house it was grey windows <laughs> grey fences grey car grey blinds enough with the grey okay? <laughs> okay so what I'm saying like if you have grey if you love it do a pop of red do a pop of bruised pink Anything just or to the keep burnt orange. Burnt like you're, orange. You're wearing that yeah. today. Yeah, give it anything. Lovely, feel. little pop. And it's yeah. only paint. 
It's only paint. As we've paint. said before, yeah. you can nearly be seasonal about yeah. it if you want. And it's very, in the, in the era of where uh, the supply of materials is so complex, you can't beat a lick of paint to help you get over the blues of waiting from, for, for windows or glazing. Get out there. And, and it's very good for the environment, very good for sustainability. But don't tush. Right, OK. Now, each week you bring us in an object of design into Studio Ocean. What have you got for us this OK, week? I have something from Helen G. Blake. It's called Hestia and it is a copy of a painting that is hanging in the RHA annual exhibition. It's the first painting I've ever brought in. And I was stopped in my tracks when I thought I absolutely loved well, it. How Couldn't get the original, so. Un- <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that it's safely in, <laughs> in an art gallery or a museum. How unusual. Now, I won't purport to understand this or modern art because, mm. to be honest, it. I just find it, I struggle with the meaning behind it. So let me describe it for listeners before you tell us a little bit about it. Um, the top third of it is a geometric kind of rusty design of, of um, chevrons. Chevrons, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, that that's a great word for it. Uh, and it's put onto a kind of a, a squared surface and then underneath these bright yellow diamond mm. uh, shaped things. Oh, now, You'll have to explain this to me. I don't. Okay, first I of all, it. it is it is an abstract painting, um, and abstract paintings are extremely difficult to do. Like people will say, "Oh, my child could do that." They're actually extremely difficult to execute and to get the proportions correctly. Well, that one looks or very you, precise now. I don't think a child it's would very be precise, doing. but it's also named after Hestia, the goddess of the home, who was the woman about hearth, really about the hearth, and a goddess from Greek culture. But the thing for me about it is, it's absolutely paired back. poem on colour, form and geometry. Okay, and canvas and structure. Modern uh, abstract art is like um, a minimalist kitchen. Okay, so if you like, if you're not into fuss, if you like that slab of limestone, that's when you're looking at at, at modern art. It really is a description of colour. It's bringing us back to the essence of and how to move people without using what you would call representational art. And from my mind, and I hate yellow. There are, these are yellow diamonds. I <laughs> yeah, love they're it. They're pale yellow now. They're like a primrose yeah, rather than the cold yellow. Yeah, but it's that repetition. It's the kind of give sends you get this idea of the repetition and in a way the repetition it's mesmeric, of housework. Maybe. Very mesmeric and it's very hard but abstract art from my mind to a certain extent is like uh, classical music it goes a long way if you are really looking at something for a long period of time and it also is kind of describing using very simple forms in a meditative way but this for me because even the one third two third that you quickly Mm. identified is one of the the most accessible proportions in paintings you're supposed to have one third two thirds is naturally part of that golden triangle and those golden sections but it's very you're talking about somebody who in spite of seeing lots of oranges and grapes, is going to make um, a piece about modern form. And this is a mum. I know her son. I've worked with her son. So there's a whole load of things for this I was surprised by. And that's my my bad because we always think about modernists as the Sean Scullies or whoever it is slapping that large canvases yeah, and that yeah. freedom from the domestic yeah. duty that we all is, have as women. This is very, very precise. It's very precise. And, and, uh, sculptured nearly. And nearly that sense of like the house with the with the triangle shape mm-hmm. that's like the, this terraced house that we were talking about, the sense of the sky and that, that sense of the beauty of repetition of housework. And to a certain extent, the great revolution for me, apart from the um, mural artists and over the last, say, 50 years is also women emerging Okay, into the primary so role. Helen G. Blake, it's called Hestia. Where can people see that? They can Rosie? see it for real in the RHA, which is still hanging. I wanted to get a piece of two-dimensional work from there, uh, from this from this year, because we had, again, the tinsmith of Celie Moore, who was featured by the president 
uh, last week as well. Um, but I wanted a two dimensional piece because they have lots of paintings mm. and you will see them. It's still hanging there and well worth. And she's also in the Molesworth Gallery. Wonderful. All right. Yeah. Roisin, thank you so much again for bringing us all your design inspiration uh, onto the home show this week. And that is all we have time for this week. If you'd like to get involved in the show, if you have a question for me, topic you'd like to hear us cover or somebody you'd like us to ask on as a guest, do let us know 53106 or email the home show at newstalk.com. And don't forget to check out the home show podcast on the Newstalk website. Thanks to the production team, Gareth Mulhall, Simon Keem and Stephen McLoon on sound. And we will do it all again next week at 8 a.m our new time slot which I believe most of you are enjoying so that's great to hear now up next it is Anton Savage he's coming live from Cork uh, from the Jazz Festival as everybody is this week it seems with plenty of interesting guests and music have a fantastic weekend see you all next week The Home Show on News Talk with Colour Trend bring home Irish colour with Colour Trend paint